6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Jeremiah, chapters 50 and 51. He hath made the earth by his power, he hath established the worlds by his wisdom, and he hath stretched out the heavens by his understanding. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of the waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasuries. Every man is stupid by his knowledge. Every goldsmith is confounded by the engraved image, for his melted image is falser, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity, the work of errors. In the time of their judgment they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. There's a relationship that here is called, you know, very, very special between Jacob and Israel and the, and the God who created the universe. Heavy language, strange language. The links between the creator of the universe and his proprietary interests in Judah. Thou art my battle axe and the weapons of war, for with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee I will, will I destroy kingdoms, and with thee will I break in, in pieces the horse and his rider, and with thee will I break in pieces the chariot and his rider. With thee also will I break in pieces the man and woman, and with thee will I break in pieces old and young, and with thee will I break in pieces the young and the young man and the maid. I will also break in pieces with thee the shepherd and his flock, and with thee I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen, and with thee will I break in pieces the captains and rulers, and I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion and at your sight, saith the Lord. Behold, I am against thee, O thou destroying mountain, saith the Lord, that destroyest all the earth, and I will stretch out mine hand upon thee, and will roll thee down from the rocks, and will make thee a burnt mountain. For they shall not take thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations, but thou shalt be desolate forever, saith the Lord. Interesting phrase that is picked up later, of course, by Paul. The stones the builders rejected has made the headstone of the corner and so forth. But thou shalt be desolate forever. There's that phrase again. Permanent stuff here. Set up the standard of the land, blow the trumpet among the nations, prepare the nations against her, call it against, uh, together against her, the kingdom of Ararat, Mini, Ashkenaz. Appoint a captain against her, because the horses to come and cause the horses to come up like the rough caterpillars. Now Ararat, Mini, and Ashkenaz. Ararat is the you are two of the Assyrian inscriptions, basically Armenian north of Lake um, Van. Uh, mentioned Genesis 8-4. Mini is the Manians south of Lake Burma. And west, this is West Iran, really. Um, warlike people. The uh, the Ashkenaz are somewhat, in this time, identified with the Scythians, nomads east of Lake uh, Ermia. Mentioned in Genesis 10-3. The word Scythians becomes synonymous with barbarian, actually. Uh, Herodotus points out that the Scythians conquered the Sumerians. Uh, that links to, in turn, conquered the Gomer and, and Gomer's Germany. And today, the word Ashkenazi in Hebrew implies a Germanic background, not necessarily Armenian, Scythian. But the word originally comes from that 
that route. So no big deal, but I mentioned in battle. Verse 28, prepare against her the nations with the kings of the Medes, their captains and all their rulers and their land of the dominion and the land of, shall tremble in sorrow. For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon to make the land of Babylon a desolation without an inhabitant. The mighty men of Babylon have foreborn to fight. They have remained in their strongholds. They might have failed. They became like women. They burned her dwelling places, her bars broken. One post shall run to meet another and one messenger to meet another to show the king of Babylon that his city is taken at one end and that the fords are seized. Okay, that is the moat. Okay. And the reeds have been burned with fire, and the men of war are in a panic. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor. It is time to thrash her, yet a little while, and the time of her harvest shall come. Here's one of those passages that relate to this judgment as a thrashing floor. And uh, for those of you that are typologists that like the book of Ruth, here we have Boaz, and there's the thrashing floor scene. Where is Ruth at the time of the thrashing floor? At Boaz's feet. Strange idiom, but if you press the type, it's kind of interesting that she's at Boaz's feet during the thrashing floor event. So you can make, if you know what I'm talking about, you can chase that down. If you don't, don't worry about it. Um, Get the tapes on Ruth, and you can follow that through if you like. Verse 34, Debuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me, he hath crushed me, he hath made me an empty vessel, he hath swallowed me up like a monster, he hath filled up his belly with my delicacies, he hath cast me out. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon, shall the inhabitants of Zion say, and my blood upon the inhabitants of Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will plead my cause and take vengeance for thee, I will dry up her sea and make her springs dry, and Babylon shall become heaps, a dwelling place for jackals and a horror and a hissing without inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions and they shall yell like lions' whelps. In their heat I will make their feasts, I will make them drunk and that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep and not a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the Lord. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams to he goats. How Shishak is taken. Remember we talked about Shishak back there in Jeremiah 25, a code, an encryption of the word Babylon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back through your notes or get the tape earlier in, in Jeremiah 25. The word Shishak is actually an encryption of the word Babylon, strangely enough. And how is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. The sea has come up upon Babylon. She is covered with a multitude of her waves. The cities are a desolation, a dry land, a wilderness, a land in which no man dwelleth, neither doth any son of man pass by it. And I will punish Bel in Babylon. I will bring forth out of his mouth that which he hath swallowed up. And the nations shall not flow together any more unto him. Yea, the wall of Babylon shall fall. My people get out of the midst of her and deliver every man his soul from the fierce anger of the Lord. And lest your heart faint and ye fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. A rumor that, that both come one year and after that in another year shall come a rumor and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. Behold, the days come that I will execute judgment upon the carved images of Babylon, her whole land shall be confounded, and all our slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heavens and the earth, and all that is in them, shall sing for Babylon, for the spoilers shall come unto her from the north, saith the Lord. The Babylon hath caused the slain of Israel to fall, so that Babylon shall, so that Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. Who have escaped the sword? Go away, stand not still. Remember the Lord afar off, and let Jerusalem come into your mind." We are confounded because we have heard reproach. Shame hath covered your, our faces. The, and, uh, for, 
foreigners have come into the sanctuaries of the Lord's house. Wherefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will execute judgment upon her carved images, and throughout all her land the wounded shall groan. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the height of her strength, yet from me shall spoilers come unto her, saith the Lord. Here's that same overtone from Genesis 10. Do you hear? A sound of a sound of a cry cometh from Babylon, and the great destruction from the land of Chaldeans, because the Lord hath spoiled Babylon and destroyed her out of sorted out of her a great the great voice, and her waves do roar like great waters, the noise of their voice is uttered, because the spoilers come upon even Babylon, and her mighty men are taken, every one of their bows is broken. The Lord God of recompenses shall surely requite. And for a little side study on recompense or vengeance, you can look at Psalm ninety four one. Romans 12, 19, Hebrews 10, 30, Deuteronomy 32, 35. Psalm 94, 1, Romans 12, 19, Hebrews 10, 30, Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's basically the message there. Verse 57, And I will make drunk her princes and her wise men and her captains and her rulers and her mighty men. They shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, saith the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken, her high gates shall be burned with fire, and the people shall labor in vain, and the folk in the fire, that they shall be weary. In the word which Jeremiah, the prophet, commanded Sariah, the son of Neriah, the son of somebody else I can't pronounce, uh, when he went with Zedekiah, the king of Judah, into Babylon in the fourth year of his reign. And this Sarai was a quiet prince. Sariah was a messenger attended the comfort of Zedekiah, and when he went to Babylon, he you, you'll see what he does here. So Jeremiah wrote in a book all the evil that should come upon Babylon. That must have been a popular little letter. Evil, all these words that are written against Babylon. Well, we've just gone through these two chapters. And Jeremiah said to Sariah, When thou comest to Babylon, and thou shalt see, thou shalt read all these words. Then that is allowed, right? Then shalt thou say, O Lord, thou hast spoken against this place to cut it off, that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beasts, but that it shall be desolate forever. There's that phrase again. And it shall be when thou hast finished reading this book, that thou shalt bind a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates. And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Heavy stuff. Aren't you glad he's not talking about you? Can you imagine being a Babylonian and hearing this? Not, to, not exactly what you call an encouraging word. And then this object lesson, here is Sarah, and he reads it publicly, wraps it in a stone, throws it in the river, and it sinks to the bottom. Thus shall be Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I shall bring upon her, and shall be weary. Now, by the way, see, I tell you what, now, now I've told you the one side. The other side of the story is, is that when um, Cyrus the Persian took over Babylon, they didn't destroy it. I mean, decimated it and killed off the rulers and did a lot of things, but I mean, it still was a big city. When Alexander took over, the king became, the, the, the area became a very important city. 
uh, Alexander entertained thoughts of making a major headquarters. When Alexander died, his four generals fought over everything. It then, from that time on, decayed. Then got plundered and finally gets totally destroyed. So that's part of the reason that scholars feel that the real ultimate destruction is yet future. That's the argument. Then it'll rise again and then be destroyed like all of this. So this is all yet future. That's, that's the other argument. And I don't want to oversell my view because that other argument has some good following. I think you really get in confusion in the book of Revelation if you don't recognize that Revelation doesn't talk about this city, in my view. In fact, to take you, since we still have, I, I, I realize I read rather, you know, that's why you need tape, you can slow them down. Um, we want to turn to Revelation chapter 17. Now, having heard all of this, right, we then, uh, we're going to go back, and we've had, the book of Revelation, we had seven seals, and then we had seven trumpets, and then we had seven bowls of God's wrath poured out. And then we get to chapter 17, there came one of the seven angels who had one of the seven bowls, or vials, and talked with me, saying, come here, and I will show you the judgment of that great harlot that sitteth upon many waters upon whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. What is fornication spiritually? Idol worship. Idolatry. False worship. Verse 3, so, she, so he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, where I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, and having seven heads and ten horns. And by now in Revelation, this reminds you of chapter 13, this political beast. This harlot will be riding the beast. This harlot is riding the political system, the world political system headquartered in Europe. That's a long story to get to develop all that, but it's, that's pretty vivid. Now, she's going to ride this for a while. They will like her, but at the end, the political system will destroy her. It'll turn on her and eat her. You'll see here. We can make a distinction between the harlot that's riding the beast and the beast. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and bedecked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. These are all idiomatic, Old Testament idiomatic phrases. Don't try to visualize this, you know, physically. Verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Is that the city of Babylon in Iran? No or Iraq, rather, excuse me. No. It's something deeper, more profound, broader, of which that's simply an indication, a, 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 a symbol. Mystery Babylon. It's not Babylon. It's Mystery Babylon. The word in the Greek, Mysterion. Something hidden, now revealed. Verse 6. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of martyrs of Jesus. Oh. I wonder what martyrs of Jesus, Babylon, None that I know of. They were it was long gone when Jesus made her made his appearance. And I saw her and I wondered a great wonder. Verse seven. And the angel said unto me, Why dost thou wonder? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carried her, which had seven heads and ten horns. The beast which thou sawest, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell upon the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, 
when they beheld, behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And I'm not going to get into that tonight. Get the Revelation page. But here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Babylon is built on the plain of Shinar. What city is built on seven hills? That's the view. Not, not everybody buys it, but that's one view. And no view, I think that's very straightforward, especially to John and his readership. Roman is the spiritual heir of Babylon, and Rome is the is the uh, uh, mechanism here. The unifying document that created the European community is called the Treaty of Rome. The um, uh, the whole that's a whole other thing. Verse ten. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short pace. These riddles, we don't have time to go through. They are in the book. They are to be understood. And they're in the tapes if you want to chase those down. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and of, is of the seven that goeth in perdition. It's a riddle that takes some time to diagram out and understand. And I wouldn't say we're certain either. There's a lot of views on this sort of thing. And it goes on with the ten heads and ten kings and so forth. Getting down here to... Uh, uh, verse 15, he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest are that the harlot, up where the harlot sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. That does not describe literal Babylon. The old Babylon. And the ten hordes thou sawest uh, upon the beast, these shall hate the harlot and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. In other words, it turns on the harlot. That is the political system this. For, the, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give the kingdom unto the beast. In other words, that the words of God be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. What city is that? When John was writing. Now, verse 18, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of demons, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. What are the birds in the parables? Evil ones, right. And this is the cage of every unclean bird. Again, we have the spiritual dimensions all thing. Verse 3. But we're going to see something else. We're going to see a very practical, tangible, worldly emergence here of some people call it chapter 17 ecclesiastical Babylon and chapter 18 commercial Babylon. We're going to see a commercial system emerge here tied to this. Verse 3, For the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich through the abundance of her delicacies. In other words, the spiritual commerce has led to commercial commerce, and, and uh, they're, they're all linked up. Verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that ye be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. That's the call. Again, see the parallel with Jeremiah. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much hath she glorified herself and lived luxuriously? So much torment and sorrow give, give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall's See no sorrow. I am no widow. Strange remark. The book of Lamentations, Jeremiah, will deal with that in a sense, or hint at it at least. Lamentations 1 1, for those who want to chase it on your own. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who, who judges third up. And here is, be patient with me, there's an interesting discovery coming in the next few verses. 
there are three groups of people who are particularly upset when Babylon falls. Notice the three groups of people. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing afar off. For the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of... Now, that's the first group, the kings of the earth, right? Second group. The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. And then we list, in the next two verses, 28 commodities. The merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, and thynan wood, and all kinds of vessels of ivory, and kinds of vessels of most precious wood, and bronze, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, and horses, chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men. Why that list? Because you can't take it allegorically. There's no way. It's clearly the Holy Spirit saying those are real goods. Everything you can think of, they're trafficking the first fruits of thy soul lusted after departed from thee, and the things which are dainty and sumptuous are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more all. And the merchants of these things who are made rich by, the, by her shall stand again, shall stand far off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that greedy city which was clothed in, in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and bedecked with gold and pressed stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches come to nothing. Every shipmaster... Now here's the third group of people introduced. Every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, What city is like in this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and sweeping and wailing, Alas, alas, the great city which, in which were made rich all the ships of the sea by reason of their cautious, for in one hour she is made desolate. Now here's what's interesting. Not to hammer this, but there's three groups of people that stand afar off. They're afraid to get close. I don't know why. Is she radioactive? In one hour, she's destroyed. Three groups of people the Holy Spirit has picked to tell us. They could have picked lots of other groups. Why these three? Kings, merchants, and ship captains. They're the ones that are upset about Babylon falling. This is the commercial Babylon we're talking about, not the ecclesiastical Babylon, but they're obviously the same entity. It's just two different views of the same thing. Kings, merchants, and ship. You know, I read this for years, years and years and years. And it hit me one time relatively, well, was 1970, I guess. Um, the Holy Spirit gave us an picked these three to give us an insight as to the foundation of Babylon. Kings, merchants, and ship captains. The basis of mystery Babylon is world trade. The Confederation in Europe, which was empowered by the Treaty of Rome, signed March 25th of 1957, made effective January 1 of 1958, envisioned a three-phase program. Phase one is to create a customs union. Everybody thought they were crazy. They, they, in 1970, they finished it two years ahead of schedule. Correction, 1968. 1967, correction, they, they finished it two years ahead of schedule. They merged. The coal and steel community, the atomic community, and the customs community. Merged into one entity called properly the European community. See, on March, they signed actually three documents. All are actually variation of the Treaty of Rome. In 1967, they merged into one unit. I don't have time to go through the whole thing. We might take it up next time if you want. But the point is that the phase two was politically, was a unify the currency, and phase three is a political unification. And there are people in Europe that believe that the world peace on the planet Earth depends upon Europe not letting the Second World War kind of thing happen again to have a unified Europe. And we're encouraging that. 
How are we cruising? They, they don't want our missiles there? We want to pull them out. Our missiles there to lower the cost of defense. Pull our missiles out there, you got some real costs. What are you going to do? Either collapse or coalesce. What do you think will happen? Don't know. We'll watch. But we see in the Bible a 10-nation confederacy to emerge in the last days in Europe. It will start on a foundation of world trade. It'll be all mixed up with a world religious system that initially it will support because it's profitable, but it'll ultimately consume. And that's all in a language. Understanding it, you have to really understand what Babylon is all about to understand the, the symbol that Babylon, of Babylon is used in the book of Revelation. Ran a little long, I'm sorry. Next time we'll take the last chapter of Jeremiah and maybe touch on some of these things that we haven't really handled properly. And uh, we just might dig into chronology a little bit with some surprises. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. A rather hurried, skim through two long chapters, but you got the flavor of it. Very remarkable chapters because Jeremiah predicts something totally out of sync with the rest of his message, and yet obviously vividly, literally portrayed in, in their world history. Book of Revelation talks about our times, just as vivid. And clearly, as you get into the details, clearly being staged in our lifetime. We're living in a time just as visible in the prophets as those who lived in Babylon did at that time of Jeremiah's words. They should have listened. Those that did heeded God's words benefited. You and I live in a similar time. The prophet John and the book of Revelation and the instruction of our Lord and Savior and it's communicated to us. It's in your laps. It's in your arms. Take it and study it and understand the day we live in and recognize that God is speaking to you about the times we live in. We face the emergence of mystery Babylon. And it's happening. The more you study it, the more vividly you'll realize it's happening in our time. Let's bow our hearts. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Download the new K-House TV app to access an ever-growing collection of free resources. Visit the Apple or Android app store and search K-House TV on your Roku or Fire TV streaming device. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.